All right, a good nerf Shabbos. Here we go. Brand new Masechta. Masechta's Bab Metziah. Mazel Tov. On um, starting a new Masechta. Very exciting. So let's give a quick introduction to Perak Aleph. So here, we're going to start with a story. We're going to start with a story. Chazal tell us a fascinating story about the king of Kuzai. The king of Kuzai was known to have an incredible justice system. He was a very fair and just king. And Alexander heard about the king's incredible justice system. And he asked, he sent a message to the king of Kuzai asking if he could sit in on his court. The king says, sure, come on over. Alexander comes over. And the first case that comes in front of the king were two men. We'll call them Yankul and Beryl. Yankul sold land to Beryl. Beryl started building in the land and found buried treasure. Beryl comes back to Yankul and he says, Yankul, you sold me this land. I worked the land. I found treasure. It's yours. I only paid for land. I didn't pay for treasure. I'm giving it back to you. And Yankul, the seller, says to Beryl, it's not mine, it's yours. You keep it because I sold you the land. And if this was in the land, then I sold it with you. And these two subjects of the king of Kuzai are coming to him, each one claiming that the other one should get the money. And Alexander's watching this court case. The king of Kuzai turns to Alexander and he says, what would you rule in your court? And Alexander says, I would kill them both. And the king says, why? And he says, people like this are a threat to society. Society cannot move ahead when everybody wants to give it to the next person. You cannot have a functioning economic system. They should both be killed. I would take the money, put it back into the economy. That, that you, you, you can't have an economy where people aren't after things. The king of Kudzai looks at Alexander. He says, okay, watch this. And he looks at the two of them and he says, any chance, says to Yankel, any chance you have any children? Yankel says, I do have children. He says, how old are they? He says, hey, I got upper teens, 20s. He says, you looking for a shidduch for any of them? He says, possibly. He says, okay, son or daughter? He says, I got a son. Looks at Beryl, he says, Beryl, know where are you holding with your kids? He says, yeah, I have a daughter ready for shidduchim in the near future. He says, I'll tell you what, let's put the money on the side. We're going to put the treasure on the side. I want these two kids to meet. If they get married, we're going to give them the treasure together. That's what the king of Kudzai paskined. That was his ruling. And Kachava, that's what happened. That's what happened. What's the message of the story? What's the message of the story? When you have people that say, Kulo Shalcha, it's all yours. People who live a life of giving, I'm not needy, I'm there for other people. You know who ends up winning? Everybody. If one guy says, I'm making up this term because this is the one case we're not going to find in our Mishnah, our opening Mishnah above Metziah. If Yankul says, Kulo Shalcha, Beryl, it's all yours. And Beryl says to Yankul, no, Kulo Shalcha, it's all yours. You know the way the Rabban Shalom makes things work out? Everybody will end up with everything that's going to be just fine. And I want to tell you something incredible. 
when the Greeks tried to stamp out Judaism, they went after Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and Bris. Shabbos is when we say, God, the world is yours. You own this place. You built it. It's yours. Rosh Chodesh is a fascinating mitzvah that Hashem tells the Jewish people, you determine when Rosh Chodesh is. HaChodesh HaZalachem, the month is for you. You're going to decide when Pesach is. You're going to decide when Sukkot is. You're going to decide when Purim is. You're going to decide when Hanukkah You know when it's going to happen? Whenever you determine the beginning of that month is, that's when Pesach is going to fall out 15 days later. You, my Klai Yisrael, run the world. Shabbos, we say to Hashem, it's all yours. Hashem comes back to us with Rosh Chodesh and says, I let you run the world. And what happens? You end up with a bris. You end up with an eternal covenant when everybody's there for each other. And the Greeks tried to get rid of this from Klai Yisrael. They were, let, they were willing to let us put on tefillin. They were willing to let us do other mitzvahs. They said, you cannot have an unending bond with God. We don't allow that. That's the one case, interestingly, that is not going to come up in this Mishnah. Where one person says it's all yours, the other one says it's all yours too. Rather, our Mishnah deals with a society similar to one that Alexander felt should be in existence. And at times, I'm sure it should be. It is necessary. Okay, Even though, Halavai, we should be people who are zochet to live a life of... Uh, and in a culture of the king of Kutsai, where people are there for each other. But our mission is going to give examples of cases where two people come to claim an object, each one claiming that they have ownership in the object. And this mission is going to give us cases where each one claims full ownership. What if, each, what if one's claiming partial ownership? What if they're both claiming partial ownership? How, do we, how are we supposed to uh, figure out the terms of agreement. So with that introduction, let us get going. Says the Mishnah, beautiful, two people walk into Bezin and they're holding on to a talus. Why is this important? Because if one's holding the talus and the other one's not, the one who's not has to prove that it's his. I don't have to prove to you that the sweater I'm currently wearing right now is mine. I don't need to prove it. It's on me. If you want it, you got to prove it. So they're both holding the talus. They both are showing equal chazaka, equal status as owners. Ze'omer anim Yankul says, I found this talus, this is mine. Ze'omer and Beryl says, anim I found it and it's mine. What do you do? What do you do? Says the Mishnah, incredible. Notice th- these words are specific. Ze yishava. Yankul will swear his oath is going to say like this. I take an oath on a Sefer Torah that I own no less than half. He's not going to swear he owns half. You know why? Because he just claimed he owns the whole thing. So he can't swear that he owns the whole thing. He's, that he owns half. So that's not going to be true. We also don't let him swear that he owns the whole thing. Because if we make both of them swear that they own the whole thing, we... We know for a fact one of them is making a false oath, and we don't want to do that either. So what do we say to them? Yankul, you swear that you own at least half. I own at least half, says Yankul. Vizei Shava and then Beryl swears, I also own at least half. Now both of them are making truthful oaths, possibly. And they're going to divide it. Now again, why are they dividing it? Not that each one brought a proof. 
we don't know what to do. And this, the Mishnah is right away letting us know the proper approach when there's a financial disagreement. And there's no proof either way. You know what step, step one should be? Try to come to a compromise. Try to come to a compromise. Even though by a compromise, you should know what happens, nobody walks away fully happy. When you compromise, you don't walk away fully happy. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You do a split ski, you divide it with an oath. You can't just come and claim on something. So you take an oath too, and you swear that you own, own no less than half, and we allow you to take half. What if Yankul says, holding the talus, the entire talus is mine? And Beryl says, uh, Yankul does own part of this talus, but he doesn't own the whole thing. He owns half, says Beryl. I own the other half. Let's pause for a second. So Yankul says the whole thing's mine. Beryl says, half is Yankul's. He's agreeing to that. But he says the other half is mine. So how much of the talus are they arguing in? Half. So you know what the Mishnah says you should do? Divide the half that there's an argument in. Which means Yankul's going to walk away with three quarters. And Beryl's going to walk away with one quarter. Again, Yankul clearly owns half. Beryl's agreeing. The argument is in 50%. So we'll split the 50%. Let's learn this inside. Ha'imer kula shalid. Yankul, who says the whole thing is his. Yishava she'elei We're going to be giving him three quarters. So he's going to swear, I own at least three quarters. And Beryl says, I own half. I own at least one quarter. Yankul is going to take three quarters. And Beryl, Naitel, Revia will take one quarter. Okay. Now, next case of the Mishnah. Two people come riding into town on top of a camel. They come cruising in on an animal. Or one person is riding the animal and one person is leading the animal. Now what's unique about these cases? When two people are riding the animal, that shows ownership. Mm-hmm. That shows ownership. When one's riding and one's leading, they're also both showing an element of ownership, right? And both Yankul and Beryl with the animal are claiming that the animal is theirs. And they're going to divide it. Now, this, we're going to have to explain, why is it different with an animal than a garment? It's the same halacha. But why is it that we have to bring this as an additional case? I mean, once you give me a case of a talus, why would I think an animal is any different? But this is the halacha. Again, they're both showing ownership in the animal, claiming it's theirs. So we do the same process. Each one swears they own no less than half. They take the animal. Finally, says the Mishnah, you should know, Bizman Shehem Maidim. If they both agree. Now, what are they agreeing on? So they're agreeing. Remember, they're not claiming that they bought the talus. What the Mishnah say? They're claiming they found the talus. So if they agree that they found it together. Or there's witnesses over here, which means we're not relying on their oaths. There's actual witnesses stating the circumstances that they're claiming are true. Then, they end up dividing this without any sort of oath. Why? Because the purpose of an oath is to give credibility to their claim. But if we're not relying on their claim because we got witnesses, or we have an agreement, then there's no need to take an oath and we're just simply going to divide it. Okay, beautiful, clear Mishnah. 
excellent again. What did the Mishnah tell us? Case where two people will hold on to a talus. Each one says it's theirs, divide it. If they're only arguing in half, they divide the half they're arguing in. Animal, same thing. If they agree that they found it together or there's witnesses, the Allah is they, they simply divide it. No need for oaths, says the Hela Gigamara. Lamali Lamisna, Ask the Gemara, the Mishnah seems to be redundant. Why? Because the Mishnah says, one guy says, I found it, another guy says, I found it. And then it says, one guy says, it's all mine, another guy says, it's all mine. That's the same claim. Why do you got to mention, each one's claiming they found it and that it's theirs. Just say, one or the other. Listen, just mention one. Answers the Gemara, Chada Katani. It is really the same thing. It's not redundant. And what the Mishnah is telling us is as follows. What each one is saying like this, not just that I found it, because you can find something and somebody else can find it too. So what he's claiming is, what Yankel's claiming is, I found it and it's mine. I found it and the whole thing is mine. Says the Gemara, why would they say that both? Again, you're saying, oh, same thing. <laughs> they're being redundant there. All you got to say is I found it and I know what you mean by that is it's yours. Says the Gemara, no. If the Mishnah would have only said I found it. If Yankul would have only said I found it. Hava, I mean, I would have thought to say my mitzasiya. what does it mean I found it? Get ready for this. Kids do this all the time. Reisiya. I saw it first. What's that called? Uh, not first come, not first come. The, the, the some uh, first come, first serve. The, uh, I forget how it. Uh huh. What's that? What's that? What's that, Dave? Finders keepers. Uh, finders keepers. So as, as, as soon as you see it, I found it. Okay. Now you should know the way. The reason why you could have a logic. Somebody would think this is logical is for the following reason. And let's just explain before the Gemara says design. I'm traveling, who's next to me on the Zoom screen over here? Okay. Uh, Rabiel's on, at least on my screen actually. So Rabiel, we're, we're going side by side. We're traveling together. And as we're riding together on an animal, you say, oh, uh, Tendler, I see a $100 bill on the side. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I go down and I pick it up. You found it. I didn't notice it without you. You saw it first. But I went and made the Kenyan. I acquired it. Just because you saw it means it's yours. So we have to get into this. We have to get into this because it, maybe it would be different. And the Gemara is going to explain this. If you were to say to me, oh, there's a $100 bill. Can you please go pick it up for me? And you make me a shliach and I agree to be your messenger. Then when I pick it up, you're really picking it up. But if you just see it and I pick it up, seeing it doesn't give you an acquisition, right? So this is fascinating. Says the Gemara, if the Mishnah would have only said, Yankul said, I found it. I would have said, you know what finding means? Seeing. Even if he didn't pick it up, he acquires it by the mere fact that he found it. And therefore, Tanakula Shali, the Mishnah says, not only does, does Yankul say, I found it and it's all mine, what he's claiming is, but it's letting me know that he also picked it up. And Bri'iyah, like Kani, just looking at something, just seeing something, 
doesn't give you an acquisition. Says Gemara, Can you really explain? Does anybody really think that seeing something gives you an acquisition? But Rabnoi taught us. And you find it. Finding it means you pick it up. It doesn't mean you see it. So what's that? Why would he even think that seeing it uh, is a claim? Answers the Gemara in the Pasuk. When it says you find it, it certainly means that you picked it up. Miu, however, umiu, and however, the author of our Mishnah, the of our Mishnah, was using an expression, the Alma of the world, was using an expression of the world. Which means, when somebody sees something, what do you say? Omar, he says, I'm not Ashkachis, I found it. Even if you're not dealing with the intricacies of halacha, like, oh, look what I just found. You see something, right? You say, oh, look what I just found. You didn't find it, you saw it. Right? It's not yours. But that's the way people talk. So the Tana used an expression that people use as soon as you lose something in your house. As soon as you see it, you say to yourself, it's found. I found him. And I would think, even though he didn't actually pick it up, he's acquiring it, and therefore the Mishnah says, no, the claim is not only that I saw it, but it's all mine. It's all mine. Not only that I found it. It's all mine. Because looking at something does not give you an acquisition, doesn't uh, acquire much for you, doesn't do much for you. The listening kula shali says the Gemara. Why don't? Why doesn't Yankul just say in our Mishnah? Yankul says it's all mine, and Barul says it's all mine. Why do you got to say I found it and it's all mine? Mm-hmm. It's still unnecessary. I explain what we just explained is we shouldn't just say I found it because that doesn't mean that you acquired it. But say kula shali. That means that you have it. Says Gemara. No, If we would have said that Yankul and Barul are only claiming that they that it's theirs. That usually when I say I found it, looking does acquire it for you because you're the one who brought it to everybody's attention. Looking at something does not acquire it. I find this to be, I just want to extend this, not only to, to realms of finding things and looking at things, which I can think of countless examples. This also has to do with the Gemara's message of doing, doing. Many people have big plans and they share big ideas and they do nothing. And then somebody else does it and they get upset. That was my idea. I found it first. You know what? Don't matter. If you didn't do nothing, it ain't yours. And if you don't want people to know about it, don't talk about it. A lot of people have big plans and they want to do things and somebody else does it and they get upset at nothing. They get upset at nothing. I've told over the Misa about uh, Rav Pesach Krom when he was, I think, 21 with his book. He put out a book on Brismila to help support uh, his mother. His mother was a young widow. His father, he lost his father at a young age. And um, an older male called him up and said, Pesach, you ruined me. He says, why did I ruin you? He says, I was going to write a book on Brismila, and now that you published it through Art Scroll, and now that you put it out, so uh, I, can't, uh, I can't earn a Parnassa, you know, and I can't uh, publicize my knowledge, because no one's going to want to buy my book. There's already a book out on Brismila. And Pesach Kron said he felt terrible. And he went to his mother. 
And he said, Ma, I feel terrible. I, I ruined this old male's, uh, you know, uh, you know his, his whole uh, excitement. He was going to put out a book. And his mother tells him, Pesach, he couldn't write a book. He didn't write a book. He wouldn't write a book. He was going to write a book. That's what he was going to do. A lot of people are going to do a lot of things. Huh? Learning Baba That's right. That's right. Open up the first daf. Open up the first daf. Just because you saw it and you want it doesn't make it yours. You got to go do something. You got to make an acquisition. And this applies to many things in our lives. We have big sheifas. We have big ideas and things you want to accomplish. But it stays a big idea. We don't necessarily acquire it. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. All right, here we go. Sa- says the Gemara Viter. No, I think you got a, 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 a mazel tov on the uh, seal. Okay. Says the Gemara, Umi Matsi Amrit, but could, uh, could you say this? Is this really true? Chada, first of all, Chada Katani. We said. Says I'm, I'm sorry, Umi Matsi Amrit, Chada Katani. Could you say the Mishnah is only talking about one claim, but the Mishnah says this one and this one, which means one guy says, I found it, one guy says, I found it, the other one says, so we're dealing with, it seems we're even dealing with two different cases. See, the way the Gemara wants to explain right now, it was dealing with one case, and each one saying, I found it, and it's mine. See, Gemara's bothered, if you're going to say each one saying, I, I found it, and it's mine, and it's mine, the way the Mishnah should be structured, let's go back to the top two lines of the Mishnah, okay, for a moment. The Mishnah says, two people hold on to a talis, ze'aymer ani mitzasiyah, ve'ze'aymer ani mitzasiyah, ze'aymer kuloshli, ve'ze'aymer kuloshli. Ask the Gemara, why don't we structure the Mishnah a little differently? Mm-hmm. Let's structure it like this, ready? Two people hold on to a talis, ze'aymer, one claims I found it and it's all mine. Another guy says, I found it and it's all mine. Why'd you say, It seems like you're dividing it's two different cases. It should say, but it's not the way it's structured. Great question. Some say it was. Some say it was anonymous. Reisha in the beginning of the Mishnah Mitzia, the the first case of that's talking about a found object. And Seifa when we say is it's referring to business. Okay, you claim that it was sold to you or you own it, but not necessarily through finding it. It was in the way of a sale. Each one's owning it. Utricha. And the Mishnah is giving me both examples of ownership claim. Again, both by a case of finding and by a case of sale. We now turn to the top of Bayes, Amud Bayes. Why the Itana Metziah, if the Mishnah would have only given us a case of a object which is found, have, I mean, I would have thought to say Metziah, who only by a found object did the Rabbanan say to both Yankul and Beryl, you need to take an oath that you own no less than half. You know why? I'll tell you why. Mishum Demairi, Incredible psychological idea. They're going to be Meira Heter. Each one's going to uh, excuse their illegitimate claim. If they'd be lying, they'll excuse their illegitimate claim by saying, you know something? Yankul's going to say, I'm going to claim it's mine because Beryl, he didn't work hard for this. 
It's not really his. And I saw it first. He just found it. By me taking it, I'm not causing him a financial loss. You know what I'm doing? Yankul thinks to himself, I'm just not letting Beryl gain money. But I'm not taking away something that was already his. We're dealing with a loss. I'm not taking away something that's his. It was lost. No, it's Hefker. I'll lay claim to it. But by buying and selling, you don't have this logic. You're literally causing somebody a financial loss if you'd be lying. I would say that you don't have to take an oath on both of them because they already have legitimate claims. Yid wouldn't want to do that to each other. Yid wouldn't want to cause another Yid to take a financial loss. But you might excuse yourself to say, yeah, no, so he didn't make a gain. He didn't earn a gain. And if the mission only, only given us a case of buying and selling, say maybe over there. Both of them have to take an oath. Because by the case of buying and selling, one of them could excuse himself. And say, My friend, This guy's getting money anyway. And I plan on giving it to him too. Okay? So, Rashi explains over here that even the one who wants to claim that it's his, perhaps has intention to even buy it. Let's say two guys want to buy. Yankel and Beryl, it's not that Yankel's buying from Beryl, but Yankel and Beryl both want to buy it. Okay. So Yankel or Beryl might excuse themselves and say, what do you mean? It was sold to me. By saying, listen, the seller's going to get his money anyway. Either Yankel's going to give him the money or I'm going to give him the money. That's what Beryl's going to think. And Yankel's going to think either Beryl will give him the money or another. But I'm the one who it was sold to. Either way, nobody's taking a, a specific loss. I need a coat right now. So I'll take it. And he can go buy a different coat. I bought the coat. Let, let him go buy somewhere else. But by a lost object, where? You can't go buy another coat. You know why? How many coats are lost? You find the coat. It ain't happening again. You can go back to the store by a, by a sale and say, I bought it. You mean, I bought it. Why don't they ask the seller? Huh? Why don't they ask the seller? Uh, let's say they're twins. They're doppelgangers, they're called. <laughs> I don't know. Or the seller doesn't know. He sold them on Amazon. Oh, okay. Uh, he wasn't aware. He's blind. I think of a case. I don't know. Right? Gotcha. But then each one wants to say it's mine. Each one wants to say it's mine. So they say, big deal. He'll excuse himself and say, yeah, it's not mine. And the guy will go buy another coat. I'm not causing him a financial loss. And he, I need a coat right now. I'm cold. But by a found object, again... Who says you're going to find another one? Maybe he won't be Myra Hatter. He won't excuse himself. I would say you don't have to impose an oath. Therefore, we give the case both of where two people walk into Besden claiming they found it, and also when two people walk into Besden claiming that they bought it. Are you going to tell me that the case of Mekah uh, Memkar is the Luxi Zuze Miman Why don't we just say. Um, we asks uh, the Gemara of Aaron's question. Why don't we ask the seller where he got the money from? You could give one example where he took money from both. And one was forcing the sale, one wasn't. And he doesn't know who's who. Again, he's blind. He's whatever. All the examples uh, that we gave. Okay. Give the Gemara a chance. Huh? I didn't give the Gemara a chance. Yeah, but that's good. That's good. Lema masnisin delay kebananas. Period. Okay, so now we have clarity. And the, what we just explained is our Mishnah is dealing with both found objects and 
objects that were involved in the sale. Now, the Gemara says, who is the author of our Mishnah to begin our Masechta? And in classic Gemara fashion, the Gemara says, I will tell you who it's not. Who is it not? Lema Masnisin Dilo Kibananas. Our Mishnah is not following the Bananas. The Bananas, according to Bananas, Bananas says we do not put an oath on both Yankul and Beryl because a, a uh, court does never allows an oath to be taken when there's a potential for a false oath. Now, our Mishnah, which says that they both swear, obviously, is allowing a liar to swear. To which the Gemara responds, no. Because remember, how do we explain the Mishnah? Look at the wording. How do we explain the wording? If each one takes an oath, are they lying? What was the expression of the oath? Yankul swears I own no less than half. Beryl swears he owns no less than half. Could both of those oaths actually be true? If we give them half? Yeah. Says more if you take bananas, bananas could be off of Mishnah. There's not necessarily an oath in vain. Not necessarily so. That neither one is swearing falsely. They, they, they could have picked it up together. It's possible. And therefore, by each one swearing, they own no less than half. Can it, it's possibly a true oath. So bananas does work with our Mishnah. Okay. What about sumchis? Does Sumchis work with our mission? Now, what Sumchis? The Ika Sumchis, Sumchis has a statement who says, Sumchis has a rule, a famous rule of Sumchis. Sumchis says, Chavra, I want to tell you something. If two Jews argue over money, and we don't know who to believe, neither one could prove their case, says Sumchis, here's the rule. Split it, no oath necessary. Now, our Mishnah said, oath necessary. Sumchis in general holds, you just divide it. And you know why there's no oath in Sumchis? Because the whole thing is just like an I don't know. Two people come in front and they're arguing. What are you supposed to do? Two kids come to a parent. Yeah, he started, he started. I don't know, guys, just like figure this out. Right? I'm sorry. Like, uh, 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 no proof either way. Just because you're shouting louder doesn't do much for you. Okay? So says Sumchis, they, they, they could divide it without an oath. Okay? Armin says, you do. Says the Gemara, Ve'elamai Rabbanon. So what does it mean? Ve'elamai. Um, so who's going to be the author of our mission? If it's not Sumchis, it's the Rabbanon. I can't, that can't be either. I'll tell you why. Ha'amri, the Rabbanon have a general rule, which is, and Baruch Hashem, we're familiar with all these from Babakama. If you want to get money from somebody else, you're going to have to prove it. Now over here, guess what's happening? Neither one's proving anything, and we're still giving them money. So that means that Sumchis doesn't work with our Mishnah, and the Rabbanon doesn't work with our Mishnah. Says Gemara, no, 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 what, what? Just because they're about to say Mishnah means they're not consistent with our Mishnah? What does that mean? Now, I want to explain the nuance in that statement. The reason why the Gemara thinks this is logical mm-hmm. is because they're both holding on to the talis itself. They're both holding on to the actual talis. And we're giving half of some. You could look at Beryl and say, we're giving Beryl something that Yankel's holding. And you could look at Yankel and say, we're giving Yankel something that Beryl's holding, even without a specific proof. They're just taking an oath. 
That's the Gemara's thinking right now. So Gemara says, Hi, my, no, that's not good logic. If you're going to say the Mishnah's Rabbanon, Hosom, Gleitavsi, Tarvayu, let me tell you. The Rabbanon say, When do you got to prove it? That's when one person has it and another person doesn't. So the one who doesn't show any element of ownership, that's where the Rabbanon say, You got to prove it. Hosom, Dovsi, Tarvayu. Both people aren't holding it in that case. Amr Rabbanon said, The rabbi say, Yankel's holding something, Beryl wants it, Beryl, go prove it. You can't just swear. But over here, where Beryl's also holding it, as far as Yankel's concerned, and Yankel's over also holding it as far as Beryl's concerned, they're both showing ownership. The Rabbana will agree to split it with an oath. In other words, answer the Gemara very logical. Don't view it that there's no Amitzichrael Baraya here, and we're still giving Beryl something Yankel's holding, and Yankel's something Beryl's holding, no. They're both showing equal ownership. So the Rabbanon don't hold them, in that case. Says the Gemara. Okay. So the Rabbanon would be consistent with our Mishnah. By Sumchis, who says in general, you divide without an oath. By a case where they're both not, let's say one's holding the talents, the other one's not. Sumchis is going to say, you divide it without a Shavuah. And in our Mishnah, certainly, where they're holding on to it, how much more so should they divide it without, an, without a Shavuah? And therefore, Sumchis is certainly not going to work out with our Mishnah. Says Yes, he will. could work out with our Mishnah. Why? When did Sumchis say that you divide money? Without any sort of oath. You know when he says that? When both parties are coming with a Shema. We don't know. Pause for a minute. And I'm going to explain the case of Sumchis. I waited till here. Rashi really filled us in earlier. A little bit earlier on on Amba Beis. I'm going to explain the case where Sumchis said a statement. Right now we just know Sumchis made a statement. What's the context of that statement? This is an interesting statement. Here's the case. Cow A gores cow B, and cow B was pregnant. The baby comes out and is dead. We don't know if the fetus died prior to the goring or after the goring. Maybe cow B gave birth to a dead calf prior to the goring. Nobody knows. Somcha says we just divide the loss without an oath. That's the case. Says the Gemara, that case, owner of cow A and owner of cow B both don't know what's going on. If you say to the owner of cow A, that gourd, hey buddy, do you know if the, if the baby was born before or after the gourd? You say, I wasn't there. I don't know. And, and owner of cow B also, need, both of them want the money. Cow, owner of cow A wants to say, I don't want to, I don't want to have to pay. And the owner of Cal B wants it to pay. But they're both Shema the Shema. They're both maybes. None of them know. But over here, where two Chev are walking into Bezdin and they're arguing over a talis. And one says, I know this is mine. Another one says, I know this is mine. Maybe Sumchis would agree you take an oath. And if that would be true, Sumchis can be consistent with our Mishnah. Again, we said Sumchis is not consistent. Sumchis holds no oaths. Ah, uh, no, he only holds no oaths when nobody knows what's going on. But here where they're claiming they know what's going on, maybe he'll say, take an oath. According to Rabbi Baruch who says, Sumchus holds, 
There's no oath, even when they both are claiming they know how could Sumchus be consistent with our Mishnah? Says I'll tell you how. If you take Sumchus, it could still could work out with Sumchus. Ki Amar Sumchus Hechad Ikejara Demaimina. Where does Sumchus say that you do not have to take an oath, like the case of Cow A and Cow B? That's only where there is Jara Demaimina. There's already a payment that needs to be made. Already payment. Cow A gored Cow B. We know for sure that there's damage. We just don't know how much damage. We don't know how far that damage extends. But when there's no right? in our case, it's a, it's a found object. There's no loss that's already being taken. It's just a matter of how much each one is gaining. Did you find the whole value of a talus? Or did you find a half a value of a talus? But it's not like one's making a loss of payment to the other. Maybe Sumchis will hold. You do take an oath. And he would agree with our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, one second, but that, that would not be logical. Wouldn't logic dictate differently? Why? In other words, wouldn't logic dictate that Sumchus holds there's no oath by our Mishnah? Just like by the case of the cow. There certainly was a financial loss. Lamar, to the owner of cow B. And there's certainly a lo- and uh, there's certainly a uh, a loss to the other one because he's going to have to make uh, uh, he's going to have to make a payment top of tomorrow's daf. <coughs> Excuse me, vika lemar, and you could say kula lemar There's a possibility that one has to pay in totality and take a total loss. The other one has a total loss. There is a possibility. That one's completely right and one's completely wrong. And what does Sumcha say? Amar Sumchis, Amar Sumcha, Sumcha says, Now when you ever have money that's laying in doubt, you divide it without an oath, okay? despite the fact that this is true, that there could, there could be a complete loss to somebody. Sumcha still says, you divide without a shua. Hacha in our case, we're not dealing with a loss. Again, we're just dealing with a Loss of profit. And you could possibly say that they picked up the talus at the same time. There is a possibility they're part owners. It's not one's right or one's wrong. There is a possibility. Yeah, and this, by the way, is foundational. Like Koshkin, how much more so should you not have to take a shua? I love this. Two people get into an argument. You know, very often they're both right. You ever sit down with a couple? I'm sure right, we got uh, Reb David here yeah, with his counseling. Yeah, Dave, you have a couple that sits in front of you. The husband has a problem in the marriage. The wife has a problem in the marriage. Very often they're both right. Yeah? You can't, you can't put the blame on one of them. Right? The, he's got one, one viewpoint. God's fine. Right? The famous, it's, it's a joke, but it's not a joke. It's very deep. We've shared this before. Two people come into the Rav uh, to uh, get a psak halacha. And each one, the, for, the first guy states his case. And the Rav says, you're right. I hear you. Second guy states his case. The Rav says, you're right. I hear you. The Rebbitson's in the kitchen, and she says, they can't both be right. He says, you're also right. They can't both be right. She's right. They're all right. They're all right. And you should know, a lot of times where we argue and we can't see eye to eye, you can't say one is specifically wrong. We just have to find some way for the minds to ultimately meet. We're going to have to figure this out. But you you can't put a, you know, the wife wants to say the husband's completely wrong, or the husband wants to say the wife is completely wrong. It's simply not true. There's different, there's, we, 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 we got to bring them together. So over here, it's possible they're both right. I, I picked it up, you picked it up, it's possible you picked it up together. You're also right. 
Yeah? So over here, like Koshkin, how much more so should Sumchis say there's no oath? And if, that, if logic does dictate such a thing, Sumchis would not be the author of our Mishnah. Answers the Gemara, last step for today. Afilu tema Sumchis. Sumchis could be the author of our Mishnah. Okay, why? Because Shvua Zu Midrabonani Kidrabiechina. It could be that Sumchis will agree the oath in our Mishnah is not a biblical oath, it's a rabbinic oath. Why? Because of Rabbi Yechanan's statement. Rabbi Yechanan says, The oath in our Mishnah is a biblical decree, is a rabbinical decree. Why would the rabbis decree an oath in our Mishnah? We have a concern. And that concern's like this. Specifically when it comes to, law, to found objects. People may not want to cause a loss to their friend. They understand that's stealing. But if I see you just picking something up, getting a windfall, mm-hmm. I might run over and say, yeah, me too. I also got it. And in order to stop such a thing of people trying to get in on somebody else's windfall and going and grabbing part of it, the guy started picking it up. He picks up a thousand. It, and my hands are on it too. The Rabban, the Rabban issued a decree. They said, all right, if you show up the best in claiming this, we're going to have everybody take an oath. Because fascinatingly, psychologically, people do try to tag on or hang on to the coattails of somebody else's gains. They may not excuse themselves from causing somebody else a loss, but they can excuse everything again. And therefore, it's a rabbinic decree. It has nothing to do with the other halacha of a cow A goring cow B. Bottom line is, even though Sumchis holds by the case of the cow, there's no oath, he might agree that there is an oath in our Mishnah because of this reasoning when it comes to found objects. Sumchis could be consistent with our Mishnah. We'll hold it here for today. And best of tomorrow, we're going to start with the new opinion, the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, And we'll see whether, uh, we're going to learn through a halach of Rabbi Yaisi and see whether that is consistent with our Mishnah. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.